0: Good evening, everybody. Whoa. Good evening, everybody. Y'all good sleep? Give me a few minutes and y'all can go rest. How about that? Thirty-seven minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> I didn't time this one, so it may be a while. Y'all ready? It's one page, but then one pagers usually are dangerous with me. If I have fourteen pages, then we probably looking at about 20 minutes, but a one-pager, I don't know why it does that, but that's just the way it works out for me. If you would, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 is where we'll start, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Tonight's lesson is entitled, What Manner of People Ought We to Be? What manner of people ought we to be? 2 Peter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since... and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I want us to focus our attention on 2 Peter 3, verse 11, where it says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? There is a time that will come when the world will end. The life that we know will be over, and we'll either be in one of two places, heaven or hell. But while we are here on this earth, how should we live? Peter gives us some little in, a little insight on that, and he doesn't give us a maybe. He gives us that word ought. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? We ought to be living in such a way that we have holy conduct in our personality, and we also have godliness. That's a part of our personality. If you had to ask yourself the question, am I godly? Am I living holy in the things that I do and the things that I say? What would be your response to that? Well, I want to look at these next four verses, uh, 14 through 18, and see if we can be encouraged to find out how we can live holy and godly. Verse 14 says, Therefore, beloved... Looking forward to these things. You see, this is not a terrible thing that's going to happen if you're a child of God, amen? This is not something that you need to be discouraged about. This is something that is good. This is something that is going to be godly because God says that it's going to happen and therefore whatever God says is good, right? God doesn't tell us terrible things. God doesn't tell us wicked things. The only thing that God tells us is good and righteous things. So if we're looking forward to these things, the first thing that I'd like for us to consider, four points tonight and the lesson will be yours. The first thing comes right here where it says, Be diligent. Be diligent to be found by Him in peace without spot and blameless. And I want us to think about that for a minute. The word diligent right there means to exert oneself. To have earnest care for something. Or to study. We know 2 Timothy 2.15, it says be diligent or study to present yourself approved to God. 2 Peter 1.10 says be even more diligent or uh, make yourself even more earnest to make your call and election sure. But right here he says to be found by the Lord in three things, peace, without spot, and blameless. See, it's not just a generic understanding. What happens is Peter wants you to dive in and make application to your life. So he says, not just to be diligent, but to be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. I want you to turn with me to a couple scriptures. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. The Proverbs class is going to get tired of me going back to the Proverbs, but boy, they're so powerful and I love them. And I'm not trying to be repetitious, but there's such good meat that we can get from... Uh, the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Look at what it says right here. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For the length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So, what is the application for us? We must be diligent we must have a earnest care for, we must study God's law. We must understand what He wants us to do, we must understand the commands that He has for us, and we must do them. Well, why do we do them? Because we just got to do that, because it's what God says, yes, but is there a uh, very more important understanding from that? Absolutely. We do it because He wants us to be at peace. You know, when I used to live in such a way, when I used to do things that were contrary to God's Word, I hardly ever lived a night in peace. I was always worried about something. I was always worried and and anxious and and, and things were not in order how they should be and I constantly was on the worry about everything that was going on. But once I started understanding, do do I get anxious now? Absolutely. Do I still have worries? Absolutely. But do I learn how to put them in their place? Yes. Because the Bible tells me to be anxious for nothing, right? Right. But through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving present my request to God and the peace that passes all understanding guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. So what do I do? I apply it to my life. I'm diligent to have peace in my life. Well, look at the next thing. It says, without spot. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read you into it. Verse 5 says, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But verse 7 says this, and watch this one, brethren. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. It continually cleanses us from all sin. What does it do? It allows us to be found without spot. Look at what verse 9 says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness, then that means when I ask for forgiveness, my sins are forgiven and I'm clean. Amen? Isn't that a blessing? But that does not happen if I'm not diligent about it. That doesn't happen if I just don't really care about being a Christian that much. I do a little bit. I mean, I do care. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm really not striving like I should to be without spot. Because sometimes I just forget to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes I just don't remember to ask for forgiveness. And before you know it, I'm caught up in a whole bunch of mess. And now I'm trying to work my way out of it. And who am I blaming? God. Right? He's the very first one that we blame all the time. Lord, why did you allow me to get into this? I prayed to you like a couple weeks ago. But he says to be diligent, to be found by Him in peace and without spot. And then turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And look at what the Bible says. So I want to be at peace and I want to be without spot and I want to be blameless. Well, how can I work on being blameless? Look at verse 14. Do all things. <laughs> Boy, I have a hard time with that. I can't even hardly read this one. Do all things without complaining. If I had to ask the question, has anybody in here complained today? I have. I mean, I'll admit it. I ain't scared. But it says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Now watch what happens. That you may become blameless and harmless. You know what happens when you complain... I mean, I complain to Aaron a lot, and I, I, I'm starting to figure it out. She kind of walks out the door when I'm talking to her about some stuff. I'm causing some harm to her because I'm probably getting on her nerves because she's thinking, well, if you had already have done that when I told you last week, then we wouldn't be in this situation. But here you are complaining about it when I gave you a simple task to do, right? But it says, do, everything without compl- do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I love the verses that talk about us shining light. And I use it all the time in my prayers that we will be shining lights... And here it comes up again. When we do the things that God asks us to do, when we are not complaining and we're not disputing, and we're becoming blameless and harmless, and we're doing things without fault in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, we shine light automatically. Man, I can't believe He handled that situation like that. I can't believe that he did that despite all of the stuff that he's going through. Look at how he acted. Look at the way he talked. I can't believe it. We understand those principles. We understand those things. But here's the question. Are we diligent about doing them? Are we uh, exerting oneself... To do those? Are we taking this earnest care to carry these tasks out? To be found by Him in this way? Are we? Well, go back to 1 Peter, chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, and look at verse 15. So we see He says to be diligent to be found by Him in peace without spot and blameless. But look at what verse 15 says it says, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord. Is salvation. Probably an immediate verse comes up with y'all. And it's just a couple verses back in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. But to consider something, I want you to catch this. This is a good, this is a good Greek word right here. It means to rule or command or to lead or to be a leader. So it it also has the meaning of to consider or deem or account or think. So is this something that is going to lead your life when you consider this? Isn't that beautiful? He says, consider this. Think about this and let this be something that leads you. Well, what's leading me? The understanding that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Boy, that opens up some doors, doesn't it? Doesn't that open some doors up for evangelism? Doesn't that open up the idea that God is long-suffering? Look at just right over there in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. What does it say? The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us. Why is He long-suffering toward us? Because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now when I consider that, when I think about that, I understand a God who loves His creation. Amen? Amen? I see a God who is long-suffering and knows that we make mistakes and we do things that are contrary to God's Word, but still He is long-suffering and He is patient that we would come to the knowledge to understand we're not doing the right things. We're not saying the right things. Look back in the verse in verse 15. It says that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2. So Peter says that Paul has written about this also. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He says, "...or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impetent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation." of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. Think about that. God will render to each one according to his deeds. But right now, while we're here on this earth and we're here at the, in the moment, we understand that God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. When you consider that thought, should that not give us a boost of energy to go and tell people about the hope that's within us? Turn with me real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Does this not give us a boost of energy to understand that while we have time here on earth, we need to be about telling others about Jesus? In verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. You know, if we're a new creation, then the old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new in verse 17. And that... All things are God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And what is that ministry of reconciliation? Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Do we have that mind frame? when we consider that God, that Jesus Christ has not come back yet, that the world has not ended yet, is there an urgency about us to go and do as Jesus said and preach the gospel to all creation? Or have we done like the Pharisees and become them whitewashed tombs? Super clean on the outside and full of bones. On the inside. Because it doesn't really matter that much. I'm good. I'll be saved. And if I can talk to some other people, that'll be fine. And, and, and this just is what it is. Or do we have an urgency to say, you know what? I want to tell you about somebody. I want to tell you about this Jesus I'm a representative of Jesus. Uh, Isn't that what Paul says? Verse 20, that we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to Him. There's time. So back in the context, 2 Peter chapter 3. He says to be diligent. He says to consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And then verse 17, He says this. He says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, since you understand this beforehand, beware. Beware. You know that word beware right there means to guard or to watch or to keep watch, right? Beware of something coming. And look at what he says, Lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Hey, you go two or three weeks without studying God's Word. You go two or three weeks without coming and fellowshipping with the saints. You go two or three weeks without talking to God in prayer. See where your life's at. See what's going on then. It'll be a mess. Beware. Don't think you can do it. Don't think that you can do it by yourself. Don't even try it. Beware of the danger of leaving the Lord and doing it on your own. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. A very well known verse. And I'm going to read on into this a little bit. Catch this one, brethren. And I'm just about done. Just catch this and hang with me just for a second. I promise it will bless your life. Verse 14 says, remember, beware. Verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I dwell in them and walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Who am I hanging around? What are the things that I'm talking about? Am I watching things on TV that I probably shouldn't be watching, but nobody really knows? It's really not that big of a deal. Am I fellowshipping with darkness? Am I saying that I walk in the light, but I'm not really walking in the light? Beware. He says beware back in the text. Verse 17, lest you be led away with the error of the wicked. The wicked are strong. Satan got pretty slick schemes, doesn't he? He's got pretty slick tricks that he pulls up and and talks about. That sound really good at times. And if we're not careful, if we're not on the watch, we will fall victim to it. We'll fall victim to a bunch of gossip. We'll fall victim to a bunch of things that we shouldn't be watching on TV. We'll fall victim to treating our wife or our husband in such a way. We'll fall victim to committing terrible acts of sin. And it won't happen if you're following what the Lord says if you're following what the Lord says, if you're being aware, if you're being on guard, you keep yourself from getting attacked, right? You you know what it says up there in verse 10. It says the, 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 the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Well, if you know when the thief was coming, then you'd be prepared for it, right? Doesn't he give that analogy? But you're not going to know when it's coming. But what does he say? Be ready. You don't know when it's coming, but be ready. Don't ever let your guard down. Don't ever go a day or two or three or four that you're not uh, spending some time with God and praying. Derek talked about it at Richland. He said, how is your prayer life? Are you so busy during your day that you forget to pray? Oh, I need to pray. You forgot to pray? Are we living our lives? Are we so busy that we forget to pray? Man. The fourth thing, and then we'll be done. Therefore, verse 17... Beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. And verse 18 says this, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Greek word there means to become greater or to increase. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that you have the ability to become greater? You have the ability yourself. You don't have to go to school and get your doctorate degree. You don't have to uh, study all these biblical study schools and do all of these things. No, you just got to spend time in God's Word. You got to spend some time with the King. It says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Two scriptures, Second Corinthians three eighteen. Use these uh, for your studies and your prayers this week. Use these verses right here. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. It says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We have the ability in the things that we say, in the things that we do, in the way that we act towards others, to become more and more and be transformed into the image of God, man. Man, why do you act like that? Something's different about you. Man, because I'm trying to be like Jesus. This is how Jesus acts. Why was He so attractive? Why was He such a push against the Pharisees? Because He was different. You know, we talked about it this morning. He cared about people. But He cared about doing nothing else except God's will. And it changed who He was. You remember, He grew in faith. He grew in the knowledge and the things that He suffered. He learned how to do it. In obedience in the things that were going on in his life, the things that he faced, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to do the right thing. Over and over and over, he kept doing the right thing. And because of that, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? But we have the ability to be transformed in the same image. And the last one is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. God set it up so beautiful for us, brethren. He gave us the ability to be successful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Watch what he says. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he do that? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why did he set those things up? Because he wants us to be equipped. He wants us to be ready for the work of the ministry. See, it's not just, I just need to do the right thing. No, we got work to do, brethren. There's lives that are at stake, and God's given us. The command to go out and fulfill that obligation. Are we about that business? But look at what else he says. He says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, in verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. And then it says this, to the measure of, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's our measure? You know that word right there in Greek means the yardstick. It's the measurement by which we go by. Who do we measure ourselves up to? Jesus. So if you had to measure yourself right now, how do you measure up? I'm a long ways off. But that's okay. But that's okay because I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep getting better, and I'm going to keep getting happier, and I'm going to keep getting more peaceful, and I'm going to keep getting more godly. Why do I want to do that? Because I love the Lord. And I'm thankful that He's given me the ability to do it. Can I find peace in my life? I know that we struggle with things. I know that people in here right now are going through tough times. And brethren, pray for each other. Pray for comfort. Be there for each other. Help each other out in those down and out times. Be there. Be that one that can help in those tough situations. You may not be able to fix the problem, but you can be there to put your arm around or hold their hand and just say, you know what, I'm going to be here with you. If I got to cry with y'all, cry with you. You know I'll cry. If, If anybody in here needs a cry, come holler at me. I'll cry with you. I ain't scared of it no more. I used to be ashamed of it. I used to be embarrassed of it. I don't care. The question as we leave tonight is this What manner of people ought we to be? Are we a people that are diligent? Are we a people that consider what God has done for us and what He's doing right now? Are we aware of the things that are around us? Are we watching like a guard dog to make sure that we don't fall into the same trap that we have before? And are we growing? I love it, to become greater. Are we becoming greater? Are you better than you were last week? Are you better than you were a month ago? Are you better than you were yesterday? Are you better than you was this morning? I love y'all so much, and I pray that you will have an awesome week. And I'm going to pray that you have a chance to change somebody's life. And I'm going to pray that you have the chance to invite somebody to come be a part of the congregation. I'm going to pray that you have the ability to tell somebody the gospel. And pray that for me, will you? Pick five people, brethren, and pray for them. Pray for Miss Kathy. Pray for the sick. Pray for all those ones who are hurting. Pray for rich. Pray for the ones that we know are hurting and struggling. And let's be there for Him. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you need to obey the Gospel. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to be saved, don't wait. Life is but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. We ain't promised tomorrow. We ain't promised anything. If you're here and you're contemplating wanting to become a child of God, I beg you, I plead with you. Be reconciled to God. Have a relationship with Him, and boy, He will change who you are. Maybe you need prayers. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.